This episode is powered by Safety FM. The Crucial Talks Podcast with your host, Mike Saddam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Saddam. If you could do me a quick favor, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast and subscribe to it. That would help tremendously. Now, if you have any questions for me, you can always reach out to me by visiting www.crucialtalks.com or through LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, email, call me on the phone, whatever you need. I'm here for you. So please feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Now, you, you all know that the Crucial Talks podcast is all about understanding people. And we talk about understanding people and their behaviors as social storytellers, as social beings that can share feelings with each other through communication, through stories, through the way that we have relationships with each other. And how we see things, how we behave, and how we make decisions are all important parts of what we talk about here on the podcast. So today, I'm really excited to welcome Dolores Hirschman to the show because she is focused on some of these same ideas but focus on clarity in those ideas and clarity in how you make decisions. And so a lot of the work she does is so awesome because it's focused on people, how people can really get behind these great ideas and impact others around them, impact society, and just have an impact in general. So it's really great to have her on the Crucial Talks podcast. How are you doing today, Dolores? I'm doing awesome. I, I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today, Mike. No, I think it's going to be a great conversation about ideas and about people. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today as a coach, as a speaker, as a CEO, and how you're in this place now where you can help so many people really operationalize their ideas and understand where they're coming from so that they can, they can create these better worlds and these better communities and better organizations. How did you get to this place? Awesome. First, I'm going to say, so I live in Massachusetts. My accent is from Argentina that I've been in the U.S. for about 20 years. And it was about uh, eight or so years ago that I was, um, I have a background in business and communications and I was mostly a business consultant as my children kind of um, went into school. I have four kids. And I realized that I could talk strategy until people were blue in their face. I couldn't make them do it. And I couldn't make the leaders lead, you know, inspire their teams. So I went back to school for coaching to understand exactly what you talk about with your audience, right? To understand the human behavior and the human driver. And in doing that, I really got the bigger picture, which is, we can only operate within the boundaries of our mindset and our belief system and kind of our emotional capacity. Because if you think about it, we stay within our safety zone. And as long as we stay there, you know, we cannot maybe realize external success or let's talk about business growth because we won't dare to go beyond that boundary. Well, and I love what you're saying there because this idea of boundaries and mindset and belief systems and emotional capacity goes right in line with how we understand human beings make decisions. They make decisions based on emotion and their belief system allows them to make sense of the world around them. It 
lets them understand what behaviors are right at the time. But I love what you said because you said that human beings, we kind of put boundaries on that. And those boundaries, it sounds like, whenever I say boundary, it sounds limiting. So when you move forward with your coaching, with your business, with your, with your education, did you see that these boundaries were limiting and now you're trying to figure out a way that we can, we can extend those boundaries or somehow broaden them so we're, more, so we're better at what we do or what we're trying to accomplish in our own lives? Yeah. So, so first of all, you know, it, all, it all starts with ourselves, right? As, as I started exploring this, this internally, my own exercise, of where I wanted to go. And as I went into coaching, I understood all that I had. Like, you know what I, what I saw when I started coaching? I realized I had an invisible fence, you know, like a dog. <laughs> um, but there was an invisible fence that surrounded me and that I was playing within that space. And so one of the things that I have evolved into in my work is that most of the work that I do is with people with really big ideas. And if you have ever had a big idea, um, most of us have great ideas that we ignore because they feel too, maybe overwhelms us or too large to tackle. But when someone commits to an idea, what happens is that the vision of what that idea can realize in the world is a great, if you want, tool um, to overcome your own internal boundaries because you realize that not showing up for that idea, it's almost irresponsible when you realize if you say yes. Well, and so what do you think is really that that limiting factor? Because I think you're right. Like people will be sitting there listening to music, watching TV at work, and they'll have this epiphany, they'll have this idea, and it's probably a great idea. I mean, how many of us see this new product or this new thing on TV or on the internet that makes millions were like, you know, I thought about that thing 10 years ago. I should have done it. Right. <laughs> like, what do you think? What yeah. is that wall that we bang our heads into that keeps us from doing anything about it? Yeah, it's the inner game. There's no other conversation. Is the inner game that who am I to pursue such an idea? Or I don't have the resources, I don't have what it takes you know, self-confidence, um, self-trust. Um, you know, there's a lot of ideas that we let slip away. And I actually, I have this quirky belief system, Mike, that you may, I don't know how you're going to take it, but I think that there's like a universe of ideas. And sometimes these ideas come into our, our own, like our own minds. And the idea is like waiting there for us to say, yes, commit to it or not. And then if you don't come into it, someone else will take that idea. It's like almost it's like a, this kind of higher energy of idea. And, and, and I believe that that's what happens because then one day you see a, something on TV or you go into a store and you look at something. And it's like, oh, my God, I thought about that, whatever, 10 years ago. But, you, you know, I didn't do anything about it and someone else was able to grab that idea. No, I kind of like that. I mean, we had an episode with Mark Gober. He wrote this book called An End to Upside Down Thinking about Consciousness. And it sounds very similar. Like he was all about, hey, consciousness is out there, precedes people. It's, it's you know, he used a term of like uh, water and how it flows and that there's a stream and that 
it's kind of like the same thing. Like you're kind of, I love picturing it because you're like, look, there's all these ideas out there. They're floating around. You have this idea. It comes into your consciousness. You can either choose to do something about it or choose not to. And if you choose not to, it might just move on to somebody else. It's kind of a, I like the way that thought process is because it's almost like it gets us, it gets us out a little bit outside of ourselves. Like if, because what I hear you saying is a lot of these, a lot of these things that keep us from going after that idea is, is the self-talk. It's what's happening internally. And that's why I love this idea of something else going on around us because it's almost like these things are floating around. If you can, if you just tell yourself to reach out and grab it and you start taking action, now you might start gaining some momentum in the right direction and kind of overcome those things that are blocking you. Yes, absolutely. And this actually, you might want to write this down. This is a great book. I did not write it. It's called What Do You Do With an Idea? It's actually, Mike, it's a children's book. It's a beautiful children's book. And it's a book that I gift all my clients when we first start working with it. Because because it's a book that talks about exactly this concept of when you actually commit to an idea, it takes a lot of courage. And it takes a lot of, you know, consistency. Um, but when you actually do that, um, at the end of the day, you impact the world. There's no other way to look at it. And there's nothing that starts big. Every single thing you see out there, every movement, every company, every nonprofit, it started with someone saying yes to something and consistently taking action which kind of leads us a little bit to the tactical side of this conversation and that, you know, when that idea takes hold inside of you and you can't stop thinking about it and you dare to make a move or sharing, you know, sometimes a simple thing of saying, sharing it with a friend. Has it ever happened to you that you share a crazy, crazy idea with your friend or someone you run into and they're like, oh my God, I know exactly who you should talk to. And then all of a sudden, there's a chain connection of serendipity or coincidences that before you know it, you're, the idea is up and running and it becomes in some extent bigger than you. Well, and I, I love that. And I thanks for that idea for that book too, just because, you know, I, we're talking all about how we can take these ideas and move forward with them. And I love the fact this book is a children's book is really, if you think about it, like I've got an eight-year-old son, and if you watch a kid, oh, you should definitely. <laughs> well, and and here's the whole point: like if you watch a kid, they have an idea, they're acting on it, right? They look at a box, they're like, "Hey, I'll make a Ford out of that," and they just do it. For us as adults, as we get older, it seems like these conversations we have with ourselves almost have a negative impact because I hear what you're saying about we tell ourselves, "Well, who am I to do that?" Right? That negative self-talk, or I don't have the right resource to it, or I'm not good enough to do that. Or, you know what, if I do that, I'm going to screw it up. Kids, a lot of times they don't have that problem. And that's why I love what you just said that, Hey, anything we do, if we think of this great idea and it seems overwhelming, what I love about what you said is everything starts small. So if you think about this grand idea, it's almost like, look, if you think about it too big, you may not take that first step. But if you realize at the time, that everything starts with a single step or a small step, that kind of kind of defeats that overwhelming feeling we sometimes get. Like take that first step. 
Exactly. And I think, Mike, it's also important to note that nothing that has ever made it big was done by one human being acting alone. And that is an awesome point because we are social, right? We need each other. Yeah. And, and it is, you know, even though you might be the leader of a project or a company or idea, it's in the collaboration and cooperation of the world around you, whatever that might look like. It could be a team, it could be a colleague, it could be a sponsor or whatever it is. It's in that connected space that things actually happen um, and, that, and that we get to watch something that maybe we thought in our heads be realized in the world um, almost in, as a miracle. Um, I mean, you're a parent, I'm a parent. I think, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a parenting experience. Well, yeah, and it seems like uh, that what you do, now I'm, I'm trying to get to what you actually do because you have all this great knowledge and background and education that clearly shows me you understand people and what is going on inside of them. But now to operationalize some of this, it sounds like, I mean, you work with a lot of different people. You work with speakers, entrepreneurs, authors, executives. You work with all these different people in all these different industries. But it seems like you start with the person. You start with the individual. Is that is that kind of the way you you do things? But then it leads to like better business and bigger growth and higher returns on investment later on down the road. Like you you yourself, when you work with people, start small. You start with that kind of like lowest common denominator, the person? Yeah. So the way I look at my work is I look at, you know, at the, the individual, right? The client it could be a team. And I look at where they want to go. What is it that they want to achieve? And, that, and then instead of just looking at, okay, what are the you know, most common steps that a company would take to, to make that happen? I will then go and look at the person or the team and I will, understand their humanity. I want to understand who they are, what makes them tick, and, and, and what are the drivers. And then we will adapt the roadmap to reaching that goal to the people in that journey. Because here's the thing, we know what we need to do to grow a business. We know we need to have clear product value proposition that adds value to the marketplace. We need to have the whole systems of Pricing and packaging and 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 programming. However, we, we we present this to the market, and then we have to be seen. We have to raise our visibility, or call it marketing, call it marketing and communications. But we have to position and place ourselves in the market. That's non-negotiable. We have to do all those things. Now, what's negotiable is how we do those things. So, one of the things that I love to do in any size company that I work with is like, what is the funnest most exciting way that we can accomplish this that is aligned with the people behind this project and therefore it will become sustainable and consistent. Because you and I know that if, if we're asked to do something that goes against our grain, that, it, that we're not excited about, we can keep it up by willpower by, for a week, two weeks, a month. If we're getting paid a lot of money, we might do it for a little longer. But in the long run, we'll give it up because it just we just we, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't fulfill us. It actually you know depletes us. 
yeah, it's almost like you're fighting against the character. You're fighting against the value system. You're fighting against the belief system. So if you're fighting against something, yeah, you're right. You could do it for a little bit, but then you start bogging down. Now it's like instead of going in a clear direction, aligned with other people, it just seems like it gets bogged down, like you're trying to run through sand or mud or something like that. Um, I'll give you a very clear example. I think this is going to help your 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 audience. Um, a couple of years ago, I had this client, and she has a line of makeup, and she is um, uh, she works with entrepreneurs in their branding and visibility, and she's a creative, right? And so um, she needed to be consistent in her marketing and position herself there on a consistent way. And so I, I, and she was a, literally, she would, came to me once and she's like, Dolores, I, I can't do it. I'm not wired to do this. Like I, I you know, I can't plan ahead and do this and do that. And I said to her, okay, so what would you do for free all day long? Like, what would you want to do every single day without thinking about it twice? And she said, well, I honestly would love to be in front of an audience every single day. And I said, great. So we created a, a way. And now with the so many choices out there, right? So I said to her, I gave her a challenge. I said, okay, I want you to show up every morning, 9 a.m. on a Facebook Live. I give it where your TV show. And I want you to put your makeup on live TV, right? On live Facebook Live. And as you do so, talk about your products, teach us how to do our own makeup. And, you know, and just, just, just have a conversation with us. She's been doing that for like three years now. Her company grew, you know, and her, her following grew. And, and now she's, she's, she's rocking it. And she tells me like, I don't, I don't do one minute of marketing at all, but you and I know she's doing a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and it's authentic. And I think that's really, and it goes back to what you said, being aligned with the fun and the exciting way of, of doing things instead of doing the same old, same old, you're being your authentic self. And that really, it comes through in the things that she's doing. And I think we can learn some lessons from that is that being authentic and not fighting against the grain, like you said, helps people understand us and see us for who we really are. And that's truly, it feels like what people want. They want that to have the trust with that other person and they want to have that connection with the other person. And so her being authentic on Facebook live and doing that sort of thing grew her audience. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Mike, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, technology out there. There's a lot of proper ways to doing things. But at the end of the day, we are humans connecting with human beings. Even if you're selling a product, you're selling a product, a, a human being is selling a product to another human being. And so the more you're able to, to bring that side of the conversation, which I think, you know, it always happens when there's an, a technology advancement. And in the last 10, 15 years, it's been all about digital connectivity and, and moving a lot of the the marketing and communications to be mostly digital. So we don't usually are in the same room with each other. And so now I think it's the time, this next generation of technology use, it's the time of, okay, how can we now leverage technology, use it, 
But how to can, can we bring real humanity back into the equation? And, and that's what's really working today. Well, and I think that is awesome because I hear so much, I know you do too, all of us that are on, on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram or all that stuff, you'll, you'll always come across that one person that is talking about how social media and all this is the kind of like the downturn of human existence and our communities and all that. But really, I don't see it that way. I see it more of the fact that we're the same people we always have been. It's just being able to leverage that technology to still impact us as social beings, as social storytellers, as people that crave social esteem and social belonging, being able to harness that in a way using technology is key to everything we do. It's not just throwing as many fishing lines out there hoping you'll catch a fish, but it's actually being thoughtful about how you're using these tools to engage with the really the, the same people we have always been. We haven't really evolved inside cognitively or biologically. So being able to use those tools does seem like it's the next next step is trying to figure out, and it seems like you're, you're doing that, but trying to figure out how to leverage technology using what we know about human behavior. You're going to laugh. So, you know, I, I'm going to reveal a little bit of me. I'm, I'm actually 46. And I graduated from Argentina, business, marketing, communications. And in 1996, okay, I, I wrote my graduating thesis. 1996, there were about 30 people connected to the internet in the whole country. And my graduating thesis, written in Spanish, was called Marketing on the Internet, Relationship Marketing. This is before Amazon, before social media, before all of it. They should have listened to you. <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 the learning, the, here's what I believe back then, and I think the last 20 or so years have only just, have, have simply kind of validated what I thought back then. And my last paragraph was that technology was going to allow us to replicate the experiences we had, let's say, in the 1800s, where you lived in a small Town where you interacted with almost the same people on a on a, on a you know constantly, and where you would go to the store and say good morning, and the person would say, hey, you know, would you like to buy another pound of beef this week because the butcher remembered you from the week before, right? And nowadays, you know, with the data analytics and big, in big data processing, you can do that. You can go into almost any site, and they'll say, hey, welcome back, and this is a suggestion of what you can get or watch or read based on previous choices. Well, I love that because, you know, I grew up in a small town in Northern California where we knew everybody, everybody knew everybody else. You could walk in a store, the person would know you. I love that thought because I've heard it before by, you know, social media influencers and stuff like that, that that is how they're seeing success. It's back to this notion of, small group behavior, how human beings are, are interconnected group type animals, right? We're, we're social beings. And so being able to do that gets us to where those strong feelings of strong ties are that we had in these smaller communities because that's how we, we're built is to be in community with each other. But now through technology, we can create these communities. So like we, you and I could have a community with you know, 10 or 12 other people, and 
never see each other in person, but be able to share these ideas and actually benefit from it and gain success from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always joke. So my, I have a, a very, I love, I adore my team. Like my team is like my family now. Um, and I have this uh, woman I've been working with now for two years. I have to remind myself that we've never met in person because it feels like we have. You know, we're on, the, on Zoom, on camera almost every other day. Um, she reads my mind. I read her mind. You know, we're always collaborating in a, such an easy, seamless way um, that obviously leveraged by technology that I literally have to remind myself that I've never given her a real hug. <laughs> well, but that's the great thing about it is you may not ever need to because it's really about that cognitive feeling of connectedness. So if we have that feeling of connectedness, yeah, there's, you know, physical touch has a, has a part in that and all that stuff. But reality is, oh, yeah, yeah. wow, having that connected cognitive connection is huge and I think really we can all learn from that story because it shows that just having that, that strong social bond lets us do so much more as people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, let's talk about, you know, I, I, I don't know, some of the, I work with different size kind of companies and um, projects, but one of the things I'm learning is that we small companies, because I'm a service entrepreneur, you know, I have a really successful company, but it's relatively small. Um, one of the things that I've been learning is, Mike, is that corporations have a lot to learn from us service entrepreneurs or digital entrepreneurs, you want to call us, kind of underdog um, kind of entrepreneurs that we are actually building very successful, profitable companies using technology in a very creative way and, 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 and leveraging to, to build very successful, engaged teams um, in a way that big companies are really struggling to do. Well, and I kind of think part of that is the company culture or the, the role people play in that company, the belief system is anchored in different ways of thinking that when they're at work, when they're working toward company goals, they're doing the behaviors that they feel go with that role. And they're not, and, and again, it goes back to your idea about these boundaries. It almost seems like in some of these corporations, just the history of the corporation and the belief system of the roles everybody plays, those boundaries are set by that corporation. And now to be able to get outside the box or to use technology a different way or to think a different way or to communicate a different way, you got to expand these, these boundaries a little bit. Is that what you're seeing? Yep. Yes, absolutely. I, I had, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give names. I was meeting with the CMO of a company a few years ago and, uh, and I was telling him about, you know, they actually produce a product that is used very much by service entrepreneurs and, and small companies like ours. And, um, and he couldn't hear it because he had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, and the roles, like I was talking about a concept, you know, you know, the concept of VA virtual assistant, right? You know, we, we thrive in, in getting support by with virtual assistants in service entrepreneurship. 
And this person didn't know that concept. And it's interesting because one of the products that they sell is 100% promoted by virtual assistants to the point that when I had just hired at the time, I had just hired a VA and my VA said, well, you know, in order to do this work, you have to use this software. It's free or, I mean, up to a certain point, it's free or whatever. And she said, but, you know, if you don't use this software, it was, a, it was a, some kind of system, right? Um, it's going to be very hard for us to do the work. So now I've had the chance by coincidence to be talking to a CMO of that company. And I, I'm explaining to a person, do you know that I use your software? And that the way I got to know about your software is because my VA required it in order for me to work with her. And he's... His comment was like, what's a VA? (laughs) (laughs) And so there's like, because they were going after B2B and big corporations and seeing us small companies, not as a B2B, like not as a business. Um, But when you aggregate uh, and and the growth that this space is having, we are a force. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I look at it so much that the B2B and B2C, where it used to be, so different, right? Like you would talk about a customer or talk to a customer way different than you would a business. Now there's so much crossover that we really have to go back to this notion of authentic communication connections with people, regardless of if you think about it as B2B or B2C, it's really the strength comes from understanding people. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Well, now I kind of think that with all the stuff you're doing, um, I've done some research about your company online and things like that. And we're, we're talking so much about people that I really want to get to kind of like what it looks like is the core of some of what you do and maybe one or two ideas from that on something people listening can take with them to start doing right away to kind of improve that B2B or B2C relationship. But what is this notion of, I mean, we're talking idea, but what's this notion of idea, the capital I-D-E-A in your business? It's a, is it a methodology or something where there's some things, some, some key takeaways? Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, so thank you for asking. Absolutely. So I've created a methodology called the idea method. And the idea method is something that came up um, or evolved from, so I'm, we haven't talked about this, but I'm a TEDx organizer um, and I've organized for the last four years, one of the largest events in the East Coast. And that's a volunteer thing that I do that I'm passionate about. And, and in doing so, working with speakers, getting on my stage and, and coaching them um, on, the, on, their, on the presentations, one of the main questions that you have when you are preparing for a talk of that kind or a TED talk is that, okay, forget the stories, forget the, 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 what you want to talk about. I want to understand first what, what is the core idea that you want the audience to take with them. And then we will talk about how we present that idea, how we present it, what stories we use to convey that idea. Right. And so that with time, I started understanding that we companies, we all have a core idea, a core intention, if you want, that, that is the reason for our existence. So the idea method that I've created is helping companies re-anchor themselves with their core idea, and in doing so, then take 
like a like a critical look at every single area of the company, their proprietary system, their business model, their packages and services and products, and what I call um, I don't talk about uh, sales and marketing funnel. I talk about a trust funnel because it's a consistent consistent process of building trust. So I created the idea method where we explore five very, very concrete layers of clarity that um, our companies need to have, all coming back to the core of the company, which is a core idea, and then, and then aligning every single thing that we do and every single message that we put out, post on social media, product, whatever, but asking ourselves, is this product, is this service, is this uh, marketing campaign, 100% aligned with the core idea and core intention of the company. Because as we grow, we kind of forget or, or, or kind of move away from, our, from anchor, our footing. And coming back to, to our essence is important over time so that we don't wake up 10 years later and realize what happened with the reason why we started this company. We, we built something that we didn't even like. Um, so, so one of the things that I do with established companies is I, I run them through the idea method at least once or twice a year, and it, it aids them in the goal-setting exercise for the next whether quarter or year or semester um, so that every single action that they're taking in the company is fuels and feeds the core idea and core intention of the company. Well, that sounds really awesome because what we talk about here on the Crucial Talks podcast all the time is really one of the one of the main core tenets of it is social identity and understanding social groups. And what you're saying basically is, look, coming back to your anchor or coming back to the essence of why you actually exist and aligning things to that goes right in line with social identity because of this notion of a superordinate goal, a goal that kind of precedes the individual or is able to help different groups work together. And it sounds very similar to that in that by doing that, by using your idea method and recentering or re-anchoring, which is an awesome term, by the way, but re-anchoring that, that corporation with their essence, with why they exist, with why they do what they do. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO, if you're the the janitor or if you're on the sales team or if you're in marketing or if you're in, you know, accounting, when you do that, it sounds like all those different roles, people can stay, still play those roles the way they are supposed to. But by re-anchoring around that, they are more focused and everybody in that organization, regardless of the role they play is moving toward that common goal. Exactly. And, and, and here's a very clear example and, and, and maybe a little bit of a takeaway for your audience. I once was talking to a CEO. Uh, he leads a 500-people organization. He, he had just finished a very fancy branding exercise with a consulting, consultant, um, consultancy firm. Very expensive. Took them months. And they had this like very thick book with all the proper language, right, to talk about the company. And I was like, that's awesome. I said, so tell me one sentence. What do you guys do? And he said, well, you can read the branding book. And I'm like, no, I don't want to read the branding book. I want you to tell me one sentence. And he couldn't do it. 
And so I gave him uh, a framework and together we pulled it out and, 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 and I'll give you a framework in just one second. But what I said to him, once we had that one sentence that he looked at me, he's like, that's it. That's exactly what you do, what we do. So I said, okay, so here's what you do right now. You grab that sentence, very, very brief and succinct. You write it on a post-it note. You ask your 500 people organization to have that statement on their computer. And every single day, they're either honoring that core idea or they are not. We're never going to be perfect. But every action, we are either walking towards it or away from it. Well, and so I, w- I got to ask you this because you told me that story. So he did all this branding stuff first, and then you were able to help him with this framework uh, based around the idea method. So wouldn't it have been better to do that first, then do the branding exercise afterwards? Well, he would have saved a lot of money, and I don't even know if he would have needed the branding message, the branding exercise, because I could see it was a beautifully produced kind of binder. And maybe they would use it, they would use some of the copy, some ads or flyers here or there, but I couldn't see that binder being actively informing the way they make decisions. Because here's the thing, companies go and do this branding exercise because they think they need it for marketing communications. But you know what, it, what happens if your talk does not equal your walk, right? (laughs) Um, Then are you going to get anywhere? So I believe that branding is important and clarity message is critical, but it's not critical because you have to attract the clients. It's critical because your inside organization, the inside of your organization and the outside um, of the, you know, the, the outside market both need to be aligned under the same umbrella message the same core idea because you can go be a great sales team, have a great sales team and sell a lot. And then if your team is not fulfilling the service or product, honoring that core idea, now you just sold rainbows. <laughs> um, and, and it's not going to be, you know, loyal, um, loyal customers because you are not necessarily delivering what you what the sales team promised. Well, it sounds like they made a really nice looking cake that everybody wanted to take a bite of, but as soon as they did, it didn't taste very good. Yeah, it's made of plastic, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so I know we got to wrap this up. You're busy. I know it's it's about time to wrap this up, but you've got a, so much to offer from your experience, and you still run the 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 TEDx, your business that you help people. You're consulting, you're coaching, but you also do some speaking and, and stuff like that. I mean, you have so much going on. I know there's people out there that may want to learn more about you, what you do, how you can help them, where they can find more information. So how do they get in touch with you or in touch with your team? That's Yeah, so I think the best way for them to reach out is to come to my website, mastersinclarity.com, M A. M-A-S-T-E-R-S in clarity.com, masters in clarity.com. And there you find a lot of resources. Uh, we'll have, you know, we have a blog and videos and, and you can also, there's a little button that says start here and you can literally just reach out and have a conversation with someone in our, in our team and, 
and explore ways that we can help you or, and your organization, you know, clarify your message, re-anchor with your core idea, and, and systematically make decisions that are always aligned with the reason for your existence. Well, that sounds great. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I just want to kind of follow up at the end here because I think you're being kind of a little bit humble, but I want to let people know that you're not just a coach that just is talking theory, but you started a business that you grew to, to six figures. You started a language school. You've written yep. two books. Is that correct? At least two books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, you do TEDx. You have yeah, a coaching yeah, pro- yeah. Uh, practice, so it's not just like I just want everybody to know it's not just theory. <laughs> like you've actually done it. You you do the TEDx thing, so you talk to a lot of different people that are doing it, that are using your ideas. You've you've done it with corporations. So I just wanted to get it out there that you're being a little bit humble. It kind of sounds like it's just hey, go to this website, check me out. But you've done a lot, so. I just ask people, hey, if you're if you're interested, if you think like any of this will help, which I already know just talking to you, it will help, go to mastersinclarity.com. I'll put it in the show notes. And I really wanted to thank you, Doris, for, for coming on the Crucial Talks podcast. It's been great having you. You have so many great ideas and your experience and the way you can help people. It really is great the way it fits with everything really we talk about here on the Crucial Talks podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, for having me. It's honestly a pleasure uh, meeting you, bringing some value to your audience. And, 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 you know, and just I grow every time I get to have a conversation with someone that is doing similar work that has, you know, we share a lot of beliefs um, and that uh, you're just, I love you, the generosity of you bringing me out into your audience. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Well, you're very welcome because I really do this because I think it can help people. And you, well, all of the guests that come on here give us such a gift of this information. I just actually had a conversation earlier today where I said, hey, and it's from a music, it's from a song, so it didn't come from me. But really my answer was, hey, if you love it, you give it away. And the more we give it out, the more it comes back to us. So I really appreciate it. True. It's so true. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and everybody listening. If you have a chance, please visit me at the Crucial Talks website at www.crucialtalks.com. Feel free to connect with me however you want to email, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever works for you. If you need anything from me. Also, please share the podcast, leave a review and rate it because these conversations with people like Dolores happen all the time. and There's so much value. We really want to share this with as many people as we can. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. Please review, share, and subscribe to the Crucial Talks podcast. Visit CrucialTalks.com.